Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. I am Marco Kioglu from Countdown to Christ Ministries. In this episode, I have a guest, a friend and associate in ministry. He is from Dallas, Texas. His name is Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries. Nathan, welcome to our program. Well, thank you, Marco. I appreciate you having me on. I am actually excited to have you in this program because I want to discuss with you some very important subjects such as the moral decay in the in the American society as well as the global society and together with it I would like to discuss with you the global apostasy we see a global movement of apostasy among Christians turning away from biblical truth and I would like to hear your opinion on these subjects, and I would like to hear from you. How do these things affect the life of Christians, and how should Christians look forward to the future, into the future, in spite of this increasing darkness all around us? But Nathan, you are in ministry for many years, and you are serving in Lemon Lion Ministries as co-host of the weekly TV program, Christ and prophecy. So can you first please tell us about that before we start our discussion? Well, certainly. Uh, again, my name is Nathan Jones. I'm the Internet Evangelist here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry whose mission it is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We do that in a number of different ways. Primarily, like you said, Marco, is through our weekly television program, Christ and Prophecy, which is aired all over the world on the major Christian networks, as well as online on his channel and uh, truly and YouTube and uh, of course our own website which is christinprophecy.org that's where my primary ministry is 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 a evangelist all over the world through the internet reaching people that you couldn't reach in person and like uh, blessings like shows like this where we can talk to people who we could never encounter on the streets we can reach them over the internet and share the gospel with them and, that, and that's what I do primarily I teach people about Jesus Christ, but I also get them excited about the soon return of Jesus Christ. It's a major topic, the signs of the end times point to his soon return, and that's our, our emphasis. So if folks want to get to know Lamb and Lion Ministries better, they can check us out on our website at christinprophecy.org. Thank you, David, and you're most welcome to South Africa, virtually at least. You are now in Cape Town, South Africa with me. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've never been to South Africa, much less Africa. I hope someday to see your beautiful country. Yes, and let's let 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 it be our common wish and our prayer that may the Lord one day open the door, that you come and minister here in South Africa in our local churches. Actually, that will be wonderful. And uh, Nathan, one of the one of the things actually I I, I wanted to point out to you is. Anybody who study the missiology or the history of Christian missiology will clearly see that in the last, at least in the last 100 years period, American churches played a very big role in promoting biblical worldview globally, in promoting Judeo-Christian culture or moral standard globally. Nobody can deny that. But in the recent few decades, we have seen, we are seeing right in front of our eyes, a rapid decline of morality in American society. Am I right to say that? 
or am I mistaken to make such an op opinion? Well, I I'm in my middle age. So I honestly, I was born after the 1960s sexual revolution. And so I can't look back to a time period that, that was more idealistic morally. I know for the United States, we've had our ups and downs morally, like cycles. Uh, whenever a major war comes, then people get right with God again, and we see a new moral uh, reality in this country. Uh, the, supposedly the 1920s and was very immoral time period here in the United States, and the, the Great Depression of the 1930s came. When people are suffering, they get closer to God. World War II then happened after that. And so by the 1950s here in the United States, there was a great revival of Christianity. Billy Graham's ministry started. And uh, the, we look back to the 1950s as a time period that was where strong Christianity in America. But then the 1960s came. There was a great rebellion of the boomer generation, as they're called, against their parents, against authority, against Christianity. And I was born in the 70s which saw a lot of drug culture and a lot of um, move actually towards the occult and Satanism. Hinduism and New Age started moving east and then coming west here to the United States. Uh, we saw a, a great revival of Christianity in the 80s, but then uh, in the 90s we saw started seeing a rapid decrease or rapid decline of Christianity here in the States. And um, I know as a kid growing up, and my father was in, in ministry and his father was in ministry, and they remember times where people were hungry for the gospel, but we've seen a, a, since the 1990s here in the United States an apathy towards the gospel, and in just in the last oh, 10 years or so, we're actually seeing hostility towards the gospel. So it's definitely a rapid decline of apostasy here in the United States. So you said in the last 10 years, actually, people are literally turning against the gospel. Yeah, it wasn't that... that as a country, America always prides itself on a plurality of viewpoints uh, to just let people believe what they want to believe and leave them alone and just accept each other's differences. We're, the, we're called the great American melting pot. We have people from every race, creed, language, country, religion, all living under one roof. And we all, you know, we're supposed to get along. And for the most part, we have. But it, it seems... Uh, in the last 10 years, and I can even point to probably the time when President Obama was elected, uh, we saw a, a, just a vast shift against Christianity. In the past, presidents, whether they really were Christians or not, supported Christianity, and he did not. And he was very open to pluralism. He was very open to, to Islam and uh, especially secular humanism and openly hostile against Christianity. And it seemed to open the floodgates here of anyone who had a problem with Christianity before they kept quiet. Now they're openly vocal about it. And we're seeing more and more Christianity, no longer the, the major voice in the United States, but increasingly becoming the minority voice. And when anything is a minority voice, it starts being oppressed. We're starting to see Christians being sued, uh, primarily in the court systems is where we're seeing it. Um, there's just Google which is, owns 90% of the traffic, is, is purposely suppressing Christian and conservative viewpoints across their platform, YouTube as well. And we're seeing a, a marginalization of Christianity here in the United States. That is, uh, that is exactly confirming what I was trying to say at the beginning of this discussion. We, in the rest of the world, outside of the United States, we see the after effect or the shock waves of this massive shift of morality 
uh, I rather use the word moral decay and apostasy of apostasy from Christianity. We see that. Um, let me just highlight, for example, some of the things. In the recent years, all over the world, there is an explosion, literally an explosion of embracing homosexuality and abortion. Often the proponents of these movements find their support from Europe or lately in the recent years directly from America. And at the same time we see in developing countries like United South Africa from where we are, we see more brazen opposition against Christianity. Not just, not just saying that people must choose whatever they want to believe, but rather saying to, to believe in Jesus is, or to say that Jesus is Jesus alone is God, is almost becoming a criminal or offensive ac activity these days. And uh, when we dig a little bit deeper into the people who are doing this, who are promoting this anti-Christian sentiments, we suddenly find out that they are getting donations, financial support, political support from various organizations in the United States. So, um, unfortunately, until a couple of decades, let's say until about a decade, a decade ago, America was this beam of light that was promoting Christian values around the world. But now it, it seems like it is promoting homosexuality. It is promoting abortion. It is supporting abortion clinics around the world financially. It is pushing forward humani humanitarianism and human rights at the expense of biblical values. And if that is the case, now, Nathan, this is my second question. If this is the case, if the world is plunging into this increasing darkness, and if, our, if churches, major denominations, one after another, embracing homosexuality and abortion, what hope have we got then? Is there any hope for Christians in a world like this? Right. Uh, well, first, I, I wouldn't point to the United States directly as the great ambassadors of morality and Christianity. The only reason the, the secular nation did that is because we had a strong church and a strong moral base. Uh, no government is a representative of God. Only the church in the world is a representative of God. Our, our home, our nation is God's eternal kingdom, not the nation we reside in. So I want to be, be clear that the United States, like Great Britain was before it, back in the 19th century, uh, certainly stood for salt and light in the world, but because it had a strong Christian base. Uh, once that Christian base starts de decreasing, then you start seeing the government turn towards whatever the whims of the people are. And, uh, I, you know, Marco, I, I used to read about Israel in the Old Testament, and you'd see this, this great generation of people passionate about the Lord. And then you'd see the second generation that was kind of apathetic about the Lord. They were lukewarm. And then you get the third generation, and the third generation was, was openly rebellious against the Lord. And then the fourth generation would be enslaved by their enemies, and then they would turn to the Lord for help. And then the, fourth, the next generation after that would love the Lord, and it'd be all back. And it'd be this constant cycle you'd see through Israel's history. And I was like, well, how could that be? And now, man, I live in it. I live to see that 
uh, as the third generation, as it starts getting more hostile, is that that the church has dropped the ball. The church has, didn't stick to strong moral values. The church started courting the world because it wanted the world to come into the doors and give them the gospel, but instead they became the world. And when the church becomes weak, so too does the nation. I, I You can turn to Israel, if you read like Isaiah chapter 5 and Jeremiah chapters 5 and 6, you can see that America today and in the world, I believe, not just America, but the whole world has done what Jeremiah 5, 3 says. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. This people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They don't even know how to blush. So the world is in the same situation as Israel was just before God sent more evil people to conquer them in the attempts to bring them back to the Lord. And that's where I think we are, man. If you look at the historic or the prophetic timeline for the future, we know that a seven-year tribulation time period is coming on the world, a time like the flood, where God is going to judge the world for its sin. We can look through the Bible and see the signs of the times that give that God gives us that indicates when that's coming. So we know it's coming soon. And I believe that's what's happening, that as the church gets weaker, so does the, the impact in holding evil back to the point, and here's to answer your question, the, the long way around, is that our hope is the rapture of the church. If you are a a Christ follower, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are a member of what's called the church. And the Lord promises that he will take his church off this earth and up to heaven before he releases his wrath upon the earth. And that's what we're facing now. If you're a Christian, yes, it's getting darker and darker. The world is getting more hostile towards us. But we know that when it gets as dark as it can be, the Lord is going to take us off this earth and then judge the world for its sin. Now, the Lord judges the world for his sin obviously to punish sin, but like we said earlier, sometimes you have to get down on your knees. It really has to be rough in life before you turn to the Lord, and we know that millions will accept Jesus Christ during the tribulation. And, and yes, uh, the, Nathan, actually, thank you so much for highlighting the fact that not the American government, uh, it was not the American government or the nation as a whole which was the beam of light for the world, but it was the church. It was the the the, the Bible believing, Bible promoting believers. Thank you for correcting me in that regard, and preventing any misunderstanding. I fully agree with exactly what you said. And coming to the next point of rapture being our salvation, our hope. I would like to ask you to a little bit elaborate on that. Now, there are many people here in South Africa, there are many people who would not love to believe, who would not like to believe in rapture before tribulation. Rather, they will say rapture probably will have happened in the middle of tribulation or at the end of tribulation. They have various arguments to support these opinions. We don't have time to go into all those arguments, but one of the most favorite one of those arguments is, most common one of those arguments is that we need to be purified and God is going to purify us through fire, through tribulation, and once we are purified, we'll be raptured. But um, when I read in the scripture, I read something else. Before I tell what I think, why don't you explain to us why would you say that rapture is before tribulation and it is our hope? Well, that, that view that the church has to be purified by the tribulation is, is often called the Protestant purgatory. <laughs> it's, a, 
that God has to, to clean the church first before he brings us to heaven. But that totally flies in the face of what the Bible teaches, that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sins. In other words, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven and forgotten. You can stand before the Father one day, holy and pure, because what God sees is Jesus Christ's salvation upon you. Your judgment for your sins was put upon Jesus on the cross. So why would God then put the church through the tribulation in order to purify it? There's no need to. If you're a saved believer and Christian, you're part of the true church. Now, is there people out there who say they're Christian, who go to church and aren't saved? Absolutely. They will live into the tribulation, but the true church of God is made up of people who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And therefore, we will not go through the tribulation. Yes, and also in support of what you have just said, when I read the scripture, I understand that Jesus died to pay the penalty of our sins to appease the wrath of God for us on our behalf. So now, can you tell us what is tribulation all about? Well, the tribulation is a seven-year time period, and we know it's seven years because it's also called the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week, uh, a time period of seven years where God will pour out his judgment on the world for its sins. We read through the book of Revelation, and I've written a book on Revelation called The Mighty Angels of Revelation. So I've, I had to study it in depth, and there are 21 judgments that God will pour out on the world to judge the world for its sins. It also, though, is to make the world so terrible. We're talking, Marco, horrible, horrible things that are coming. We're talking about a, a nuclear war. We're talking about World War III, basically, that's coming upon the world. We're talking about uh, signs in the sky, meteors and comets that fall upon the world and poison the waters of the earth. We're talking about the sun scorching the earth. We're talking about the Lord opening up the depths and allowing demons free to run havoc across the world. Uh, there are It's easy to read all 21 judgments in the book of Revelation. We know that by the time the tribulation's done, that there will be very few people left on the planet. The world will fall under a one-world globalist leader who the Bible calls the Antichrist. We see all the secular societies working hard towards a globalist government, the, especially the European Union, which the Antichrist is supposed to rise out of, very strong about trying to form a globalist government with a one-world ruler over it. And the world's getting closer and closer to that. Therefore, we know this, this seven-year time period is coming. And, um, Nathan, from based on what you said and based on what we read in all the relevant passages of the Bible regarding seven-year tribulation, we understand very clearly that seven-year tribulation is first and foremost God pouring his wrath upon a godless world, a world which rebelled against God. Am I right to say that? Absolutely. Uh, we can read quite a number of verses that support the fact that, that the church is not destined to endure the wrath of God. Revelation 3.10 is the best one. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. 1 Thessalonians 5.9, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I have many other verses I could go through, but the Bible is specific and clear that the wrath of God is meant for 
a world that's in rebellion against him, not a church that loves him and God considers his bride. So this is a very important because Christians will say, well, yeah, we have to live through the tribulation because we have to suffer. People have always suffered. Why do they suffer and, and we don't get to? Well, the Lord promised that as Christians, Christ bearers in his image, that we would suffer from the hands of the wrath of Satan, from our fellow man, from a fallen world. That, that's a given. But the wrath of God is something different. The wrath of God is always meant to fall upon those he calls the rebellious, the unbelievers. Like the flood was, the tribulation is God's wrath upon the world for its sins, not for the church. That's, that's very good. Thank you for that very clear explanation. And that is, just, like, just as you highlighted, that is often one of the supportive arguments I hear in support of post-tribulation rapture, where they will say, well, all these years, many believers have suffered. Seven-year tribulation is going to be our turn to suffer. And they will even say they are praying day and night that they will have the strength to go through the tribulation. They seem to be struggling to understand that tribulation is not merely believers suffering from the sinful nature of this world, from the enmity of this world against God, but tribulation is first and foremost God's own wrath being poured on a rebellious world. And secondly, tribulation, seven-year tribulation is Jacob's hour of trial, isn't it, Nathan? Absolutely. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, calls Daniel's 70th week prophecy the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a focus on Jacob, the children of Jacob, which is Israel, and not on the church. Matter of fact, what begins the tribulation is what's called the Gog and Magog War. It's a, a, a war where Russia and the Islamic nations attempt to try to destroy Israel. And we know this happens just at the beginning or just before the seven-year tribulation begins because it takes Israel seven years to clean up the damage. What is the damage? God himself steps in and defeats these armies using just uh, two whole chapters dedicated to this war where God uses supernatural things like earthquakes and hail and uh, the armies set upon each other. And then he sends fire on those nations. And it says repeatedly throughout Ezekiel 38 and 39 that the purpose is so the world knows there's God. Well, that's what the church's job here is in this church age. So we see a clear change in the way God is getting the gospel out during that time period. The church isn't here for that. Matter of fact, you could read Revelation and you can see the church there in Revelation up to Revelation 4, but you don't see the church again until at the end of the tribulation in Revelation 19. And what is the church doing? They're returning with Jesus back to the earth to watch his second coming. So we know then that the church is up there that whole seven years in heaven with the Lord while the tribulation rages down here on the earth. And uh, during those seven years, we will be busy with some very exciting events. Uh, we will be given our rewards, our crowns, and we will also be uh, dining with our bridegroom for a seven-year-long wedding ceremony. Am I right to say that? Amen. We know there's three things particularly, and you've highlighted two of them that will happen during those seven years. While God's judging the earth up in heaven, it's a totally different story. 
Brother, there is celebration. The Lord has his bride with him. It's called the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. It's a great party where it's a reunification with Jesus and the church. Uh, there's also the judgment of the just where we receive rewards for the works the Holy Spirit has done through us. And we, re we prepare to return with Jesus and watch him single-handedly defeat Satan and the Antichrist and set up his kingdom upon the world. One of the, the major stipulations in Daniel's prophecy is that Jesus has to defeat human empires in order to set up his millennial kingdom on this earth. So the tribulation also stands for that too. Again, there's no reason for the church to be in the tribulation. God has 144,000 Jewish evangelists. He has the two witnesses. He has the gospel angel. People will see the miracles and the wrath. They'll see the uh, rapture happen. There's so much that the Lord is going to do to evangelize the people during the tribulation. But nowhere in John's description of the tribulation it can the church be found. We are found up in heaven. So, Nathan, in conclusion of this wonderful discussion we had, may I say that actually the moral decay, great apostasy, terrifying technological developments all around us, all the signs and wonders that are happening around us, negative wonders, many of them, actually they point to our very soon redemption. They point to our very soon blessed hope. Am I, am, can I say that? Absolutely. I love Colossians 3, 4, which says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Brother, there is a time when Jesus Christ is going to break through the clouds, as 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. We hear the voice of the archangels calling us up. We'll hear the trumpet call of God. We'll see Jesus in the clouds. And we will be lifted off this earth, given our glorified eternal bodies, and there we will be with the Lord forever. That should give any Christian hope. If you tell a Christian, hey, you're going to have to live through the tribulation and suffer and die and be beheaded and all that, what hope is that? And yet Paul told us that we should comfort each other with the teaching of the tribulation. There's no comfort in living through the tribulation. There's comfort in knowing that Jesus Christ will rescue us from his wrath and that's why I'm a firm, 100% believer in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And that is why we say, be watchful, keep your eyes, keep your ears open. Our king is coming back soon. He is coming to fetch his bride from this wicked world before our God pours his judgment upon this world because of their rebellion against God. But we have, not, we have nothing to worry about it because during their share of God's wrath, during their reception of share of God's wrath, we will be in heaven with our King Jesus Christ for seven years, receiving our, our rewards, celebrating our wedding, enjoying our wedding supper and preparing to return back to earth at the end of those seven years to witness the establishment of the millennial kingdom of Christ and we will reign with him as the Bible says. And on that note, friends, our listeners, our viewers, I greet you and I urge you, if you have not yet made Jesus your king, if you have not yet given your life to Jesus, don't waste any time. We know from the Bible prophecy that we are at the end of the church age. Rapture can happen literally any moment. And you don't want to miss it. 
You don't want to miss the, miss the rapture of the believers, because if you miss it, you'll be left here on earth to suffer the wrath of God. Nathan, thank you very much for your time. It was really a great blessing to have you with us and all the information you have provided. Is there any word you would like to say to our listeners before we say goodbye to them? I would just like to read 2 Peter 3, 9, which says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord wants you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Give up your sins. Turn to Jesus Christ. Repent and pray from your heart. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus will do just that. Your sins will be forgiven, the guilt will be gone, and you'll inherit eternal life with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Amen to that. And may you just do that. May we all just do that. Until I see you next week, keep your eyes, keep your ears open, and make sure you are on a good standing with our King Jesus Christ. He is coming back, folks. He is coming back soon, and I think it's sooner than we think. God bless you all, and may you turn to Jesus. May you keep your eyes and ears open, because rapture might happen any moment. God bless you, and bye.